Did you know that your unused medications could end up in the wrong hands? It's important to keep your medication secure in a locked location, such as a locking box or locking cabinet. When it's time to dispose of them, safety and properly dispose of old, expired, or unused meds by using an at-home disposal product or a medication disposal box in your community. Don't miss out on medication take-back events happening near you. Don't let anyone take what's yours. Lock your meds. Be aware. Don't share. Learn more at lockyourmeds.org nc. Carolina coach Roy Williams gives his team a very unique pregame pep talk before the Tar Heels face NC State. He said he'd rather beat State than eat. The result, a very hungry Carolina team simply imposes its will on the pack, smothering State on defense during an eyebrow-raising 32-2 first-half run. And as for Coach Williams' pledge not to eat if the Tar Heels didn't win? I mean, you have my sandwich. <laughs> Roy Williams was quick with names and good with a whistle. The story of how he made it to the top with two of the Blue Blood programs in college basketball has been told. But not like this, and not with this type of honesty and insight from that dadgum legend himself. Now, the Roy That Dadgum Legend Podcast. How do you condense 68 years of ACC basketball and the triangle's value to the conference into four minutes? Let me try. Everett Case and NC State had the first national power in the ACC. The Wolfpack won the ACC tournament the first three years and four of the first six it was played. UNC won the league's first national title in 1957, beating Wilt Chamberlain in Kansas in the process. Four years later, a former Kansas player, Dean Smith, took over the UNC program and began the process of establishing Carolina as the league's best. The Tar Heels hit a roadblock when David Thompson and Tommy Burleson swung the power in the league back to NC State's favor in the early 1970s. Duke had their run in the 1960s under Vic Bubis, but by 1980, Smith was still going strong, but looking for his first NCAA title. Duke had hired a coach from Army, whose name no one could pronounce. NC State had hired a coach from Iona, who had a personality big enough to create March Madness. Smith got his first NCAA title in 1982. The next year, that NC State coach, Jim Valvano, followed with one of his own. Duke was still struggling under the coach with the funny last name and all the consonants. That is, until Mike Krzyzewski, K-R-Z-Y-Z-E-W-S-K-I, broke through in 1986 for the first of his 12 Final Four trips. By 1987, you have to understand this in the triangle. The ACC title count was UNC 10, NC State 10, Duke 7. The NCAA title count was UNC 2, NC State 2, Duke 0. Over the next three decades, Coach K would completely change the dynamics in the triangle. It was Dean Smith who ran the ACC. That was usurped by Krzyzewski and Duke. And with that, the big rivalry in the league fueled by both Duke's rise and the advent of ESPN, which was really the first true promotional vehicle for college basketball, it was then the Battle of the Blues. It was the Tar Heels and the Blue Devils. Consider now the ACC title count is Duke, 21, UNC, 18, and NC State still at 10. The NCAA title count is UNC, 6, Duke, 5, and NC State still at 2. In most everyone's eyes, the Duke rivalry and all of the fanfare that goes with it is all that matters. To Roy Williams, though, 
there's still a big part of him that remembers being a student at UNC, when NC State was ruling the league in the 70s, and his friends would give him a hard time about Smith's, until that point, fruitless pursuit of an NCAA title. As you learned in episode one, Williams played a small but key part in helping Smith land super recruit Phil Ford, who truly swung the balance of power in the ACC back to the Tar Heels by the end of the 70s. But Williams would never let the old blood with NC State go. He once said, I'd rather beat State than eat. His career record against the Wolfpack, 38-5 if you include five wins he had with Kansas, is proof that Williams never had to go hungry. More great news for Cary commuters. With the new GoCarry app, you can track your bus live on the interactive map feature. Stay informed with the latest news and service updates right at your fingertips. Save your favorite locations and routes for quick and easy access, making your daily commute a breeze. Plus, with the GoCarry app, you can easily connect to GoCarry.org for even more resources and information. Best of all, the GoCarry app is absolutely free to download on the Apple and Google Play stores. GoCarry, where getting there is just a tap away for the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time there's granger offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need plus you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you call click granger.com or just stop by granger for the ones who get it done What was the Duke-Carolina rivalry like when you were an assistant for Coach Smith? Well, you got to understand, for those 10 years, it was Duke at the end, and it was perhaps Duke for a year at the first. Because they, what was it, 78, they went to the Final Four. So 78, 79, I think, was my first year. But then all of a sudden, uh, it was State, and it was Virginia. and So it wasn't just Duke. And so to me... Duke was 10 miles away, and we needed to beat those guys, uh, but it was no different than uh, State and Virginia. And, in fact, in 83, uh, I did not want State to win. Uh, I wanted Virginia to win. That's shocking. Yeah, really. <laughs> but And so Eddie and, and Coach Guthridge, they were disagreeing with me. I said, no. I said, guys, we already know Ralph is at Virginia. So we know that they're going to be there. We know we got to beat them. So the more success State has, that means they're going to be up there too. It could have been reverse if Ralph had been at State. I would have been pulling for State. I, I didn't want somebody else up there. But that was the whole thing. During my 10 years, it was Duke and it was State and it was Virginia and us. And, you know, think about this, guys. They were only, well, my gosh, I think it was my first year, first or second year, they were only seven teams in the league. That's the reason the league is just so overwhelming now because it's it's 15. I saw the schedule yesterday. We don't play Virginia twice this year. We don't play Florida State twice this year. You know, and when I first started, we could have played everybody three times, you know, because there were only six other teams. I mean, we did have one year. There were only seven teams in the ACC. And so I was always just looking at our perspective. Let's keep us up here. And let's try to make sure there's nobody else up there. And if they are there, let's make sure they don't go past us. And so that was the reason that I was pulling for Virginia to beat State. 
I didn't want somebody else up there with us. And the first year when Bill Foster was there and they'd just uh, gone to the Final Four in 78, that was still a big-time thing. And then three or four years there, it wasn't as big. And then all of a sudden, it, Michael got it there. And 86, I guess, is the first time they went to the Final Four. And then it was more Duke. We didn't even think about NC State at that time. Have you ever had an older States fan come to you and thank you for at least still caring about the rivalry? I've had some this summer thank me for leaving. <laughs> you know, that, that, I, that what I would imagine. But I've argued that you were actually the last connection to what it was yeah. for a lot of the older audience. And I believe that too. I really did. I wanted State to be a huge game for us because you guys and the national media were going to make Duke – 10 times bigger than any other game. And I didn't think at North Carolina we could afford to have that just be Duke because we still got to beat those guys in Raleigh too. And so I intentionally made it bigger for me, but I didn't have to work very hard to do it. I mean, it was pretty good. It was pretty easy to do that. Uh, but the same kind of thing. But I mean, you're thinking now, okay, well, what about Florida State? Well, what about Virginia? Well, what about Duke? I mean, it's – I mean, it's it's a whole different league now than it was during those days. And your dislike of state goes back to when you were actually in uh-huh. school. Very because much so. At that time, Coach Smith hadn't won a championship yet, right. and you're either your friends from where you grew up, mm-hmm. or when you were here in Chapel Hill, mm-hmm. had given you a hard time. You, you, the state fans that. Oh you yeah, had. I remember going to my sophomore year, going to the game at state with a high school buddy of mine who was a student at state. He says, you're going to get us killed here. He's, you need to shut up. Uh, but uh, Charlie goes crazy at the end and makes five or six, or I don't know how many. It's just I just remember big rainbows all of a sudden going through the bottom of the net, and the crowd had been on my butt the whole time because I was standing up clapping when we did something, and so I sort of got back at them, and my buddy says, you got to shut up. They're going to kill us. we got to get out of here. But that had something to do with it. Uh, my, my friends, uh, when I was a freshman in high school, I was the only freshman to make the varsity baseball team. And we had some of those guys that ended up going to state. Uh, some of the senior base basketball players went to state. There's, I think there's three or four of those guys. And they were on me all the time because I was pulling for Carolina. And so then when I, I played as a freshman here and we go over there and three or four of those guys came to the game and then, and they stay and watch the varsity game. And, you know, so there was a little competition going on there and I didn't like, uh, uh, some of the things that at that time the state crowd had yelled at Charlie. And uh, so that always stuck in the back of my mind. And uh, and then when I came back as assistant coach, I felt like, okay, guys, let's, <laughs> let's make sure that we beat those guys. Are you ready for the big game? At The Designery, we can help you arrange your kitchen in the perfect way to feed everyone coming over for the big game. I'm Dana Merrill, the owner of The Designery in North Raleigh. And I am True Merrill. I am the project manager. The Designery is a lovely kitchen, bath, and closet remodeling company. We do pretty much any of the utility spaces in your house. If you want to store things in your cabinets, if you want to work on things on your countertops, if you want to uh, have a floor that can get wet or muddy, we're the place to help you fix your home up. We are the Designery North Raleigh, located at 3030 Wake Forest Road in the Holly Park Plaza. We would love to see you or visit our website at thedesignery.com. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts 
so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Respect. That word consistently comes up when Roy Williams and Mike Krzyzewski are asked about their respective programs at North Carolina and Duke. Yes, these guys are competitors. Yes, they absolutely want to beat the other guy when their teams meet up on the court. But when you spend that amount of time in the rarefied air together, each one taking the heels and the devils to Final Fours and winning a combined five national titles between 2005 and 2017, you're not left with much of a choice other than to respect the other guy. Jeff Capel, now the head coach at Pitt, has a truly unique perspective on those rivalry dynamics and the culture around coaching. Capel played four seasons for Coach K in the mid-90s. He will forever be associated with one of the greatest moments in the Duke-Carolina rivalry, thanks to sinking a buzzer beater at the end of regulation to send the game to overtime in 1995. Trust me, you have seen that clip. Capel's younger brother, Jason, started in all four seasons for North Carolina between 1998 and 2002, including a trip to the Final Four in 2000. In 2011, Capel joined Kay's staff as part of a program overhaul and was eventually elevated to associate head coach in 2014. While Kay gets plenty of attention, and deservedly so, a good chunk of us in the triangle associate Duke's recruiting turnaround during that time, much to the consternation of UNC fans, with Capel. All of this is to say, if anyone truly gets this dynamic, Capel is on the short list. Well, I think it really, in my opinion, I think it's, I think there's always been respect. There's always been respect between the programs. Now, respect and like are very, very different. Um, certainly when Coach got there in the 80s, you know, he was chasing Coach Smith and Coach Valvano. And you have the private school, which is Duke, small. And then you have these two massive public schools. You have Coach Smith, who was, you know, the man at the time. And then you have this big, brash personality in Valvano who comes there and I think it's his third year wins the championship. So that's what Coach was constantly chasing. I think that Coach gained even greater respect for Coach Smith once Coach Smith retired. Because I think he understood Coach Smith more because he basically became that guy. He yeah. became the guy that everybody hated. Yeah. When I say every, the other yeah. coaches in the league, yeah. Yeah. they yeah. were coming after him. And so he became that. And so I think maybe because he experienced that, that I think when Coach Williams came in the league, I think that the respect between them was always there, but at a greater level because I think Coach could understand, he could understand now what it means to be the guy. and. The coach at Duke and Carolina, they're going to be the guys because those are the two premier programs in this league. At the 2021 ACC tip-off, which is the conference's big media day to begin the hype for a new season, every coach not named Roy Williams or Mike Krzyzewski was asked about Roy Williams and Mike Krzyzewski. What did it mean for the state of the ACC? Who would be the next larger-than-life personality to represent college basketball like these guys? When will these types of questions end? Notre Dame head coach Mike Bray, one of the most likable coaches in the ACC, jokingly told me and Gilio, yeah, I told them don't let the door hit you in the ass on the way out. Look, when you have the programs that folks are chasing, 
that word respect comes back up. Respect is also gained when time passes and perspective is gained, which is something that Krzyzewski explained to us ahead of his final season at Duke. You mentioned your relationship with Dean and how that changed. And then right. obviously with Roy, it was a different type of, I think right. just a pure mutual respect. Right away. How do you think that kind of changed the dynamic between the two schools? I know obviously there are still Carolina fans who don't like you. This is breaking oh, yeah. news to you. <laughs> no, um, no and, and by the way, <laughs> there are people that you're okay with them not liking Sure, you. sure. You know, I mean, it's, uh, I'm okay with that. But it so. doesn't feel like, um, Auburn and Alabama or the Yankees no, and Red no. Sox. It feels yeah. like a different type of rivalry. Yeah, it, 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 I think it is. and uh, But it, it's still the best one. It's not toxic. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. And it's not toxic. And, and it shouldn't be because of the excellence of the two schools and the, the, the continuity of excellence of the programs. I mean, it's withstood the test of time. You know, it, it's maintained its level. It's if it was on broad, it's still a Broadway hit. You know, no matter who's coaching, and and uh, hopefully with Hubert and then with John, we can continue that because I think it's still one of the treasures of our sport. I know there's Duke Carolina in all sports, but Duke Carolina basketball, men's basketball, is just a cut above. It's just a cut above. And Roy and I always knew that. We always knew it. And I learned what it was more like to be Dean as a result of our, and that's where we uh, developed uh, a very close relationship, uh, which I treasure because I could see why they have such an amazing program and why his guys were so darn and still are so damn darn loyal uh, loyal to him and the program have you ever had a conversation with Mike Krzyzewski where you kind of poked him about how how the dynamic change from him looking at Coach Smith saying, Psh, this guy gets away with everything, where he kind of morphed into that same person that he kind of railed against when he first got in the league? No, never even considered it. Okay. Because I didn't really care. I mean, it was just I was going to do my job, and if I did my job, and if we were successful, uh, frankly, my dear, you did, know. You didn't care. Didn't care. And I had total respect and still do, always did. And, and genuinely like Mike. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I, I thought I'm not going to waste my time. You know, it's the, the Rick Barnes, Coach Smith thing. I mean, Rick's one of my great friends. Mm-hmm. I said, so I'm at Kansas. He's at Texas. I said, tell me what happened. <laughs> and he tells me what happened. I said, okay. You know, it was no big deal. It was just I remember saying something to Norm Stewart one time during a game when I was an assistant in St. Louis. And I, we played them in St. Louis. We played them in Hawaii. We played them in Greensboro. I thought we were in the same league for four or five years there. And so I wrote him a little short little note, handwritten note, and then apologized. He sent me a note back and said, as you get older, you'll find out during games, nobody remembers what was said. Just don't worry about it. And, and we had a vicious relationship on the court and loved him off the court. But uh, so I've I really tried to never get too much involved in all that junk. Is that respect and you said that you like mike there's a portion of your fan base that doesn't like that Mm -hmm. and what because now we think of duke and carolina 
as this respectful rivalry, oh, not yeah. Alabama yeah. and Auburn, which yeah, is not like kill you know, each other. <laughs> yeah. But obviously that's an unfair criticism of you, but you understand that, oh, right? Yeah. No, I have no problem with that. But mine is I feel exactly like they do during the game because I want to beat him to death. But it's still a game. Mm-hmm. And I have total respect for what he's done. And, I mean, you know, that run they had there for several years was awesome. And he still, I mean, they could win it again this year. You know, I mean, it's, he doesn't need me to validate his team. But, uh, no, it's it's. I wanted to beat them badly. But, again, I didn't want it to be just about Duke because then you – let somebody else slip up on you. And I wanted it to be, let's focus on who we're playing tomorrow. And we know we got to beat them, but we also know how hard I mean, we haven't had much success beating them in recruiting. And that was something that uh, was harder for me to take probably than games because we did okay in some of the games. For your fans, for your the UNC fans that are holding out, would you like to tell them that you'd rather beat Duke than eat? Just so they have the soundbite for both. Yeah. Both oh, there's no question. If you gave me a chance of beating Duke or eating, I'd much rather beat Duke. God Almighty. Uh, you know, I, I guess you could survive for a month without eating or something, couldn't you? Did you come up with that line yourself in that press conference about state? No, just it just came out of nowhere. Yeah, people, th- I do think a lot before I say some things, but some things just come out of outer space and I just I just live with them. As, as you now are in retirement, how is fans might not know this. We might not even know this. What is the dynamic with coaches once you get out of coaching? You know, I don't know yet. Because it's know, a fraternity. There's yeah. only so many of you. Yeah, I mean, last night I was in Winston-Salem roasting Dave Odom. And I'm the world's worst. You know, because uh, um, Tubby was fantastic. Oh, my gosh. He buried him a little bit. And, and Cremens was fantastic. But hopefully you were on before Cremens. No, I was last. Oh, no. Uh, I was terrible. I said, guys, you know, Dave's a lot like me. He's well-known in unknown places or, you know, something like that. And I said, but I can't. It's, and I used the example, and I did a poor job of it when I was at Kansas for the cancer uh, people because I've been trying to do for many, many years things there. They did a roast of Norm Stewart and Roy Williams. And thousand people in Kansas City. I mean, it was the biggest. Oh my gosh! And Johnny Orr got up, and he said, "You know, this is hard." He says, "We're here roasting Roy Williams and Norm Stewart. That's like roasting the Pope and Al Capone." And all you blankety blank people out there know who's who too. <laughs> and so Johnny hardly said anything about me, but he would have. To, and that's the way I felt about Dave Odom. I, you know, I didn't, there was not a lot. I like Dave. He's been a good guy. We were both high school coaches in the state. He first got his head coaching job at East Carolina, called me to ask me if I'd be interested in leaving Carolina to go to, with him at East Carolina. And so I was terrible, but everybody else was fantastic. But there is a fraternity there, and especially that group. I mean, Tubby is a coach. Bobby Crimmins is a coach. Dave Odom is a coach. And to me, that's a pretty high level. And and I think that they probably think of me the same way. So, you know, some guys I could roast and be really have a lot of fun, <laughs> but not Dave Odom.
Coaching ain't for soft people, which is why coaches, despite their competitiveness on the court, have incredible camaraderie off the court. The older generation of coaches, they've always fascinated me because it's not like they got into this for the money. Salaries for guys like Roy and Kay when they got going, laughably low before the NCAA tournament became a multi-billion dollar made-for-TV event. It was the call to coach. That was the motivator. That was the commonality within this generation of coaches. And it's created these friendships. And the stories that these guys could tell would fill up a bunch of other podcasts if we had the time to do it. Take Notre Dame head coach Mike Bray. The guy would rather wear shorts on the sidelines than an Alexander Julian suit like Williams. And while they might not be into the same things, they're clearly friends. And Bray has seen a side of Roy that most of us don't get to see. Well, I think he's an amazingly intense competitor that he's such a good guy and such a warm personality that you people may be fooled that he doesn't have an amazing edge and um, intensity, which he, he really does. But I think it's maybe hard for mo- many people to see it because they see Roy as a warm guy, funny guy, a guy makes fun of himself, and just a good dude. But, you know, inside... He's a he's a he's a cruel competitor, and I mean that with the utmost as an as a compliment. Uh-huh. And, and but do you actually get along with Roy? I do. See, I, I don't want to assume anything here, Mike. Yeah. yeah. But I I have said to Roy like we're we're fake friends, we're quasi friends. Yeah. But I love pizza and I love beer, and he hates both of them. Yeah. Like, <laughs> how is this even possible? Right. Like, enjoy yourself a little bit here. He's right? yeah yeah. But he's, he's different. He's he's different. Yeah, he is different, and uh, he he won't even drink any. He doesn't even drink any good bourbon, does he? Right. Probably no, yeah. no, no. No, he's a lemonade but the guy. Pizza thing. Pizza. Come on, come on. You got to eat pizza. <laughs> come on, you got to eat pizza. That's that's just he hasn't spent enough time at the garden at a real tournament. Well, right? you know, now that he's retired, maybe he'll pick up some bad habits. I don't know, you know. <laughs> But he loves that. He loves swinging that golf club, as yes. we know. And yes. and uh, but I've loved him because you know on the road we you know we sit down on the road together watching a game. We don't, we don't end up watching much of the game. We end up telling stories and talk and and we end up talking about our mentors mm-hmm. who were very much joined at the hip, Dean Smith and Morgan Wooten, mm-hmm. both guys that gave us chances when we were high school coaches. And, 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 you know, Mike gave me the ultimate chance then when I, you know, they kind of, so we, we, there's a lot of similarities there. I think we've always been joined at that hip. And I, I also think maybe we don't, at least publicly, don't take ourselves as serious as uh, everybody thinks we should, you know. Uh, but I've, I always, I'll miss him. I'll, I'll miss the ACC meetings. I'll miss the games because... You know, we usually find something to laugh about before we try and beat each other's brains in. Longtime Syracuse head basketball coach Jim Beheim and longtime Roy Williams golf partner echoes the sentiment about his generation of coaches. We used to go on trips together, play golf together. We used to be on the recruiting trail together, hang out together a lot. And it was different. You know, when we started, I mean, I was making $25,000 as the head coach at Syracuse. You know, we didn't get into this business for money. Mm-hmm. It had nothing to do with money. I coached for five years for nothing at Syracuse. And, uh, you know, we just like we loved coaching. Loved, you know, we couldn't play. You know, you play until you can't play, and then you coach. Mm-hmm. And, 
We, I, I've always, and, and they, we've always loved the game, coaching the game. Mike and I, in the Olympics, we used to say, more than one time, we'd be sitting there at the end of watching LeBron and Kobe and Kevin and these guys, and said, we're pretty lucky, you know, to be here, you know, coaching these guys and come out, you know. I mean, we had, it, it's just been such a great experience to be able to do this and to, uh, you know, be in this game that we love and seeing players that, you know, develop and, you know, grow up when they're with you, go from where they can't even do an interview to being able to really do a, a great interview. And you see that, all that develop, and you just think, you know, we, we couldn't be any luckier. I think too many times there's too many people out there that just say how terrible everything is. I mean, I've, we've, we've been so... There are some bad things, but we're so lucky. Did you make a deal with Roy in New Orleans in 2003? <laughs> hey, man, if I get this one, you can beat me anytime you want when I join the ACC with Syracuse in 10 no. years. I said, the, I said the same thing to Roy that Bob Knight said, said Coach Knight said to, said to me in 87. You're going to win one. Yeah, you, know, one you gave him the speech. Yeah, and yeah. I said, I'll tell you the same. You're going to win this thing, and he won it a lot. Different. Notice that word keeps coming up, too. You'll hear it a lot when you talk to the likes of Williams, Beheim, and Krzyzewski. Not that things are bad now. Certainly, the money is great, and it's afforded them incredible lives. But you can hear it in how they talk about those days that a certain aspect of the camaraderie is missing. You know, when when I was in, started out in the 80s, you know, the, the amount of money, the salaries and all that, that you got paid really you didn't do it for the money mm. you you earned a really good living you did it for the love of the game and the love of what you're doing and the camaraderie and uh you developed different relationships during that, that time and it's you you really don't have the ability to do that to that level right now real quick over the weekend cliff ellis who's a really good friend and one of the really outstanding coaches he had texted me he says you know uh, Kremens and I and Wes Robinson, Dave Odom, a few of the guys want to come to one of your games mm -hmm. just to honor you. And and I said, uh, that's cool, but I, I, I wouldn't be able to spend time with you. And he said, no, no, you know, we want to do that. I said, well, why don't we just get together once the season's over? We got our wives and whatever. I'm not sure that that would be done now. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Uh uh, there was, it was different and uh, thank goodness I was able to establish that relationship with Dean in the, the last few years of his coaching career and with Roy right away and obviously with Jim Beheim. and, uh, but th that's not there as, as much, you know, and it's a uh, very territorial, uh, and I think the, the, the money aspect of it has a lot to do with it. Back to Pitt head coach Jeff Capel, someone who grew up immersed in basketball, whose father was a longtime college head coach and NBA assistant. Because of that, Capel has such an appreciation for Roy and Kay's outward love of coaching. They genuinely have a love for coaches and a help. Like, there's so many things that people don't know that I didn't know until I started working there because I saw Coach do it. Mm-hmm. 
I got the head job with USA Basketball in 2010. I was the head coach of the U18 team. I didn't know until 2016 that one of the major reasons I got it was the recommendation of Roy Williams. I didn't even know that. Really? And, yes. And so that's what I mean. Like, these guys have done things for coaches mm -hmm. that a lot of people don't even know about. And that's a part that's different because their generation, they got in it not for the money because you didn't make they got in it genuinely for the love of helping i'm not saying that the coaches now don't have that but the money has changed, it changed. it and jaded it a little bit coming up next on the roy that dadgum legend podcast an hour after that scrimmage was over with i'm in the car and charles says boy coach your boys ran their mouth too much i said i understand i told him shut up but uh he said we're gonna get them tomorrow I said, I know, but don't worry about it. So we went and played golf. It was a great foursome. Me, Michael Jordan, Charles Barkley, David Robinson, John Stockton. And we had a great time. I didn't think anything about that. Your heart. It's the only one you have. Fortunately, you also have a choice. Expert cardiologists. Talented surgeons. Highly skilled specialists. All of whom chose WakeMed. Why? The main reason is the same reason patients choose WakeMed. Everything you need for the best possible care is right here. Learn more at WakeMed.org. WakeMed Heart and Vascular Physicians. Your heart, your choice. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.